For our first message today, we have a split sermon from Mr. Sean Witt entitled, The Silver Lining. Good afternoon, everyone. I trust everyone's having a good day so far. All right, so first of all, I just want to do a shout out to my parents. They're with us every week online. They love you guys. They appreciate everything that we do, and they feel like they're a part of us as well, being able to attend services online every week. And I just wanted to tell my mom thank you as well for the paper she donated for the church teen class. That was meant a lot to her to be able to do that, to help out. All right, first of all, I just want to tell you all thank you very much for your prayers regarding our trip back from Utah last week. We did have a few um, hiccups regarding our vehicle, and I'm pleased our prayers are answered. We did make it back home safely, so thank you for that. So overall, we had a great trip, but there was parts of it that were not so great. Um, before I left, I mentioned to Kim that I needed some ideas for my message to give. <laughs> and uh, she said, well, I think when you get back, you'll probably have some good ideas. <laughs> she was absolutely correct. More than she realized. So as you know, uh, we have a 2002 Honda Odyssey. Well, we did have a 2002 Honda Odyssey until last weekend. Uh, before we left, Kim informed me that the engine light had come on, and so I thought it would be a good idea to get it checked out, so I took it to the mechanic, had it looked at, and um, I just thought it would be a better idea to take our van instead of having four people crammed into a little Corolla packed to the gills, and uh, Corolla, Corollas do have gills, in case you didn't know that. But um, after going to the shop uh, to make sure the van was roadworthy, they told me that the van had an oil leak that the oil pump housing was leaking pretty badly, so it needed to be fixed, so I needed to get all new gaskets for that. And it also had a misfire, meaning that it needed to have a valve job. And after it was all said and done, they said it'd be like $1,800 to get it fixed. And I was like, that's a lot of money for an old van. So I wasn't willing to do it, wasn't very excited about it. So I called up one of my uh, mechanic buddies, and he said he would be willing to do it. And he could do it at a much cheaper cost. So, you know, I thought I was a lot more comfortable with that. And I figured it better than being squashed into my Corolla. So I figured, hey, this is a good plan. Let's go ahead and go with it. And I've had good luck with the van. So I, I was confident that it would, you know, it would make it there back with no problem, of course, in my own thinking. So after we get in the van fixed, I thought, we're golden. We're going to be all right. So we loaded up and we took off. The first travel day was fine, no problems. But the next morning in Lyman, Colorado, I started it up and the dashboard lit up in a weird way. Like the traction control light came on and the engine light and immediately I thought, oh, we're having alternator issues because it kind of seemed like an alternator thing because I've seen that kind of stuff happen before. So I prayed about it, turned off the engine, turned it back on and then just the engine light came on so I thought, well, I don't know what's going on, but we're going to go ahead and proceed to Denver, see what happens. So we got into Denver. I stopped at um, one of the auto parts stores, and they'll check it for free. So they hooked up their computer to it. And he said, well, it looks like uh, you got a misfire. 
I just had a valve job done, and it came up saying needs valve job. So we've got a misfire on four cylinders, meaning the spark wasn't sparking correctly. So I called up my mechanic friend, and he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know why it's doing that. Maybe I didn't tighten it up correctly or something. But uh, I thought, I don't want to put stress on this motor, so we decided, let's go through Wyoming instead of Colorado, because the elevation's gradual. It's not up and down through the Rockies. So we proceeded, went through Wyoming. Van's running fine, no problems. You know, engine light's still on, but going through the day, we're doing all right. Towards the end of the day, it's getting in the evening, and we're planning on just heading right into Utah. You know, we're going to try to meet my folks that evening around 8 o'clock or so. So we're getting closer to Evanston, Wyoming. We're about probably oh, 60 miles out or so. And all of a sudden, my van's just acting weird. The headlights are starting to dim. The backlight for the back hatch is lighting up. It's like a Christmas tree. All my <laughs> dashboard lights are lighting up everywhere. The door lights are lighting up. And then the battery light comes on solid. And I'm like, ah, definitely alternator. We got an alternator issue here. So we didn't want to be stranded out in the middle of nowhere. It's like nine degrees outside. It's cold. You know, God's gracious. So we are able to coast into a truck stop, hold into the truck stop. And uh, it was mainly just for truckers, but they had a shop there. They had me, me uh, bring my van in. They, we can't really fix your van, but we can at least charge your battery up for you. So we spent the night at this truck stop in the trucker's lounge. Uh, Kim and I took turns staying awake because there can be some pretty sketchy people. Nothing against truckers, Mark. But you just you never know in the middle of nowhere. We didn't want to all just fall asleep in this trucker's lounge where they had a TV going. So Kim and I took turns sleeping and just hung out in there with the kids. And we were just thankful we had a place to stay because the hotel was you know, 20, 30 miles away. The other way, I didn't think it was a smart move try to drive this van with the alternator bad in the middle of the night. So we stayed put. Uh, one thing that did happen, though, is we met a lady there that was stranded from California. And she was in a desperate situation. She had left with this gentleman that was uh, driving her to, I don't know where they were going, but um, ultimately he started acting really strange and perverted. So she ended up actually jumping out of the vehicle, grabbing a coat, and walking to this truck stop. And she had met a gentleman that was going to drive her back to California, a trucker, and he abandoned her. He just left her. So she was there stranded. So we got to talking to her, and um, we were able to help her. We were able to give her some money so that she could go on her way. And I felt like had this not happened with our van, we would not have crossed paths with this woman. So perhaps maybe that was part of the situation of why we were there. But we were able to um, help her and set her right example in, in that manner. So the next morning, after we left Evanston from this truck stop, not getting much sleep, but uh, we charged up the battery and we headed on to Evanston. So we called ahead and we found a shop that would look at it and see what was going on. So we pulled into the Chrysler dealership and we uh, were there for like two or three hours and they came back and said, yes, definitely your alternator is bad, and they replaced it. But all the codes are wiped clean. so. They're like, no, you seem to be good to, good to go. They're, I don't know why you had these bad codes regarding uh, the misfire, but you're fine. So great, just the alternator. I was pretty excited about that. So we headed down the road, thought our issues had been fixed, uh, moved on, spent the next few days visiting family, driving all over, back and forth with our van, no issues. And then the night before we were leaving, the engine light comes back on. And... 
I took it back to another uh, auto parts store, and same issue, misfire on the cylinders again. So I'm like, I don't know what's up with this. So I figured I better take it to a Honda dealership. They're, no, they're going to know what's going on. So took it to the Honda dealership the very next day. Uh, long story short, they determined um, that when the valve job was done, the mechanic that had worked on my vehicle, he replaced all the gaskets new for this oil pump housing. But when he took the valve covers off, he put the old gaskets back on. And so it leaked oil everywhere, all over the engine, all over the alternator, destroyed the alternator. That's why the alternator went out, ultimately. But the dealership in Evanston failed to tell me that oil had gone all over the place. They just replaced the alternator. So there was a, a miss there. So anyway, um, got that taken care of. And we also were told that the misfire was because our, my coil packs were bad which are like the spark plugs on older vehicles that feed to the spark plugs. So that was going to be like $600 to replace uh, all six coil packs because four of them are bad. They say, you might as well just fix them all. And then while you're at it, you might as well put spark plugs in it too. So that added up to like 800 bucks. And then um, because of this oil leak, that was going to be another 480 So I'm up to like $1,500 now. And my van's worth about $5. So... <laughs> I'm like, this is way over the top of what this is worth. So anyway, they, um, I was reluctant to have them fix it, but like, we got to get this thing home. And in the meantime, with the shop bill getting higher, one of the salesmen called me and he's like, hey, I noticed your vehicle here has a really high shop bill and it's more than your vehicle's worth. Would you be interested in trading it? And I was like, oh, I really don't want a car payment. But uh, I was like, no, we'll just stick with what we got. But then the mechanic called me a little bit later, or not the mechanic, but the shop foreman, and he's like, um, we had an issue with your van. We got it going, but there's still a misfire on one of the cylinders. So we decided to take out your fuel injection system, and we broke it. So it's going to be another $500. So we're up to like two grand now. And I just said, well, I don't remember you asking permission to take that out. You just went ahead and just did it. Um, I don't feel like I'm really responsible. I have to pay for that. And he's like, well, it... It is what it is. I mean, we, we're trying to get you an aftermarket part. Just, it'll be cheaper that way. Like, all right. So I called back the salesman. I was like, you still got that offer to uh, trade in a vehicle? Because at this point, I'm like, I'm not going to dump that much money into this. So we decided that we would go ahead and um, go look and see what they had. So they wanted me to pay close to um, two grand for this. And they were going to charge us an extra 500 bucks, like I was saying, for that bad part. But after some negotiation, um, we were able to get $1,000 for a van plus wipe the shop bill off. And I won't go into a lot of the details of how we negotiated for the new vehicle and all, but that was kind of a mess as well. We were there all day long. We were getting tired. and Finally made our decision. But I will say that God helped us. He narrowed it down to two vehicles. There was a Honda Accord there that was within our price range and the minivan. So we were kind of worn back and forth. Do we still want to be in a minivan phase or do we want to, because the kids are getting older and such. But Kim really felt like this van was being held there for us because it had shown up just two or three days before we got there. And uh, she just, she really just felt 
like God was telling her, this vehicle is the one that you need to, to take. So we ultimately decided on the van, but it was kind of neat how it was, this was our decision. We didn't have like 20 vehicles to look at. We had these two. Of course, our salesman is trying to show us stuff like, here's a car for 20 grand, and kind of got us off track a little bit, but we re redirected him to where we needed to be. So anyway, that was just kind of a neat thing that he helped us to decide which vehicle we needed. So after all the issues and experiences on our trip, I was thinking besides the electrical issues going on with the van and reusing the original gaskets, um, interestingly enough, there was um, a family looking at this van as well, and we were signing the papers on it, so it could have easily gone to somebody else. But, you know, I was thinking about the um, old gaskets being on the vehicle, and it made me think of the verse that talks about uh, old wineskins. So let's go to Matthew 9, verse 17. And in Matthew 9, 17, it says, Nor do they put new wineskin in old wineskins, excuse me, nor do they put new wine in old wineskins, or else the wineskins break. The wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine in new wineskins and both are preserved. You know, we are to be renewing our minds daily, putting our former thinking and conduct behind us, not mixing the old with the new, wanting to do our very best in all that we do, not thinking of our former thinking in the past. I don't know why the mechanic chose to use these old gaskets, especially since he had just replaced everything else with the new stuff. I haven't asked him yet, but I, I just don't understand what he was thinking. Um, but there was a collaborative bunch of errors on the jobs being done correctly. And it was a last minute planned trip Perhaps a smarter play would have been to take my car instead, or even rent a vehicle. Um, but we thought we were doing our due diligence by having maintenance done and the check for the roadworthiness uh, before our trip. But looking back, um, I did put my family at risk driving this vehicle. We could have been stranded out in the middle of nowhere, but with God's grace and mercy, he made it possible that we were still able to spend all that time with my family. The, problem we had was at the very beginning, we were at a place where we were secure and safe. We weren't down in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, perhaps I was leaning on my own understanding as well with taking this vehicle. I'd have been better if I had, you know, taken more time to really contemplate and meditate on it. I think the spiritual application here is not to take anything for granted. In this world and relying on God, we need to make sure that we're working diligently to be a part of his family and daily working with all our might instead of complacently going through this life to make sure we're having intent of what we're doing is right. As I think back, um, I used to work for, it was a previous employer. We used to joke around and say that the product that we sold was good enough with this particular uh, employer. And we sold a great product. But I feel we were getting to the point where they were just throwing the stuff out the door just to make the monthly quotas. And they would say, don't worry about it. Uh, we have a fix in the field. Our field service engineers will take care of it. So not a big deal. They were more worried about getting the bottom line instead of making sure the product was good before it went out the door. And ultimately, it damaged their name. And the FDA shut them down. And we couldn't ship for two years because of not doing the right thing. 
And a big part of this problem during that time was the quality department answered to manufacturing, which is not a good idea. Uh, we felt helpless and we didn't feel like we really had a say. It was like they dictated, this is how it's going to be, even though we know you think there's a problem here. We're, we're going to go ahead and ship it because we need the bottom line revenue. So in our jobs and personal life, do we feel the same way? Do we feel like we don't have a say or we just show up or we're daydreaming at work? Uh, do we feel like we get along just to get along, go along just to get along? Uh, do we put out minimal effort required for the task or do we go above, beyond and above the call of duty? I'm just thinking that if possibly my van had been fixed correctly to begin with, maybe we wouldn't have as many issues as we had. I know that some of the things are out of control, but in my line of work, it was very important to make sure that I go above and beyond. Being in quality, I have to pay close attention to make sure that the products are done correctly, especially when I was working in aerospace, because these planes are flying off the ground, and your, fa your family is a part of it, and you want to make sure people are safe. So what we say, what we do is a big deal. It matters. It not only impacts us, but it impacts others around us more than we may even know. So turn with me now to Ecclesiastes 9, verse 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. God requires that we work. He wants us to excel. He doesn't want us to sleepwalk through life, but he wants us to excel. And this is a training ground right now. This is the time where we're being judged. And he wants us to be a part of his kingdom. And as I was preparing this message, I was thinking, there's been a lot of messages given recently involved the heart. This is a heart matter. If you read the beginning of the chapter, you'll see that this is a heart matter. So if we go back to Ecclesiastes 9.1, it says, Death comes to all, for I considered all this in my heart, so that I could declare it all, that the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. People know neither love nor hatred by anything they see before them. All things come alike to all. One event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to all the good, the clean, and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As is good, so is the sinner. And I'm going to break down to verse 5. So for the living know they will die, but the dead know nothing. They will have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Also their love, their hatred, and their envy have not perished. Nevermore will they have a share in anything done under the sun. So go eat your bread with joy and eat your wine. You can drink your wine too. With a merry heart, for God has already, already accepted your works. Let the garments always be white and let your head lack no oil. Live joyfully with your wife whom you love all the days of your vain life, which has gone as a given under the sun, all your days of vanity, for that is a portion of life and in the labor from which you perform under the sun. So basically Solomon is saying and talking about the vanity of life. Life is short. We are here for a short time. What we do does matter. We choose to live it as it comes at us. We need to be intentional as representatives of Jesus Christ, our older brother. God wants to see what we will do and how we'll react in different situations. Because we are being tested, like I was saying he wants us to be with him for all eternity. The great God of the universe wants us to be in his family. 
He wants no one to perish. He allowed his son to die for us to make this possible. In hindsight, in the future, instead of taking um, a personal vehicle, um, I think it probably was a mistake to take this vehicle after all. And I would choose to probably rent a vehicle. It, it was a short uh, planned trip, though, at this time. So we kind of were stuck to either take the car or the van. But I think in the future, uh, we'll pray for discernment. And um, I know people that won't take their vehicles out of town. They always just rent just to be safe. So with that said, let's go to Matthew 7, verses 7 through 12. And it talks about um, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks and receives, and he knows will, will find him, and he who, who knocks, the door will be opened. What man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, he'll be given a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he'll give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do, also do for them, as this is the law of the prophets. So God wants us to be seeking him, asking for help. Uh, he wants us to also do our very best, and he expects us to treat others the way we want to be treated as well. As I get older, and hopefully wiser, I'm finally starting to realize I can't trust people to do what they say they're going to do. This is a fallen world with imperfect people that make mistakes. Uh, that has been evident in the situation with my van. Uh, there were a lot of mistakes and promises made that fell through, but that does not mean that I get a free pass um, to not do my part to set a proper example, to use the golden rule. I can't control how they're treating me, but I can do my best with God's help as I'd want to be treated, treat others. Turn with me now to Galatians 5.14. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You know, we're being watched and analyzed more than we realize in our daily life. We are to let Jesus Christ illuminate through us. As we show his love to others, that does not mean we have to be pushovers either, though. Christ had righteous anger that we should have as well. If we see something that is wrong, we need to stand up against it. When we can. Not just go along to get along, and not to fit in, and not to make waves, but to definitely do what we can. So now turn with me to Matthew 21, verses 12 through 13. And this we have the example of where uh, Jesus went into the temple of God, and he drove out those who brought, bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. You know, God expects us to do the right thing. That is not always easy to do, but it requires us to step out of our comfort zones. In closing, uh, there is a silver lining to all of this. Uh, we now have the blessing of owning a newer silver Honda Odyssey, uh, which is much better shape uh, than our old white one. 
And that's where we get the silver lining, because it's a silver Honda Odyssey. Uh, but anyway, as I mentioned, uh, we live in a fallen world where there's lots of mistakes that are made, and there's evil all around us. But God will not abandon us. He was guiding us the whole way and put us in a path to help another person that was in great need. He knew what was going on with us on our road trip, and he was there the whole time looking out for us and protecting us. We just need to ultimately trust in him. 